electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the true state of the tech trade, whether it's broken or not, as that sector comes off its worst day in more than a month. From ARC to the FANGs, we are trading and debating where your money will work best in the months ahead. And joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Jim Laventhal, Joe Terranova, and CNBC's Jim Cramer. He is the host, of course, of Mad Money. It's good to see everybody. Jim, welcome back. Let's go to the wall and check stocks today. We're green across the board. Dow's good for 150. S&P, one half of 1%. NASDAQ rebounding up 85. That's two-thirds of 1%. But I do really want to know, Jim, and I'm getting asked by a lot of people, friends and otherwise, what's up with the tech trade? Am I in trouble with my fangs and my arcs and all of those stocks that did so well and now seem they can't get out of their own way? I truly want to distinguish between arc and fang. The fang stocks came in. They were low, lower multiple. They had good runs uh, and they delivered. And for the most part, I think that the, I buy any one of them. Uh, when I look at what uh, ARK was buying yesterday, uh, I don't know, maybe Stephanie knows some of these. Uh, Zymergen, uh, the Repair Therapeutic Recursion, a 908 device, uh, CM Life Science. Uh, uh, these are really, I guess, I, I'm going to call these uh, odd, and odd stocks. And <laughs> when I look at them, I start thinking, okay, well, is this, the time, is this the time for Galileo acquisition? Is it really come? Is it really that time? Uh, and, and Vuzix. Is it time for Vuzix? So I don't know. These, to me, are not as blue chip as I like, Judge. But maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for free. Oh, she sold Freesia. But oh. what, what's, what's the deal, do you think, in, in why mega cap tech has not reacted well, even though the earnings were fabulous across the board? Is it simply a matter of rotating into the reopening story or is there some rate concerns and inflation concerns all mashed into this? Is it teetering? Is it just not in favor? What's the story? Because I know, Jim, that you're asked about it and I'm asked about it a lot because a lot of our viewers own these kinds of stocks, whether they're the big ones or the small ones, the big valuation or the small valuation and all parts in between. Your Honor, listen to me. These stocks and these companies are fantastic. And when I look at something like Alphabet, I can't believe I can get it again. Amazon was incredible. There's no flies on that. It's got a garden variety, garden variety decline. Microsoft, I cannot believe that you can get it that low. After it was a great quarter, a lot of the analysts looked at Microsoft. They looked, they did their numbers, they did their models, and then they looked at the stock and they revised their models down. They're, they are what I call cowards. And Apple, I mean, we got some people talking about Apple. First sign of tougher compares. Right? That's B of A today. First but sign, right? You're reading, I happen to you're li- going to B of A. I happen to like Wamsey. Wamsey's always asking smart questions on the conference call. And by the way, Tim Cook always says, hi, Wamsey. So, I mean, therefore, it's not like Wamsey's out of nowhere. And this piece was, this was the only piece 
that I have seen that made me even doubt for a second about Apple. I thought it was high quality. But uh, I'm not backing away from the fang trade. The, the weakness, of course, is Netflix because the slate wasn't that good. But let's give it a break. There was such a thing called COVID. Uh, those who want to leave the trade, I think that they want to leave the trade over and over and over again because they just want to be in something obscure. I don't like obscurity. I like fame. And these so, are fame. So does Farmer Jim, right? I mean, look, Jim has bought more Apple at least two times over the last six to eight weeks. And it's not just Bank of America who is questioning what's going on with Apple and the services part of its business. Remember, Katie Huberty, the number one ranked analyst, just yesterday, Farmer Jim, took her services numbers down. Tony Sakanagi at Bernstein says Apple could struggle to grow next year. I know Jim was about to fall off his chair. I'm the trying minute not I mentioned to. I that, that name. I, I, knew, I literally knew the minute that I mentioned that. Uh, either the eyes were going to roll or you were going to roll off the chair. But Farmer Jim, what do you tell people to do with Apple here? I, I tell them not to worry about today. First off, the overall market is a little tired right now. It's catching its breath, uh, particularly in the tech trade. That's okay. That's okay. But perspective here matters. First off, we've got to recognize Apple's five-year compound annual growth rate is 42%. That's 42% up in, in the last five years each year. That's extraordinary. So if we get by the end of this year to 150, it'll be up 15% on the year. And people are going to look at this year and they say, wow, that felt terrible, but it's still going to be up 15% on the year. I feel pretty confident that it's going to set a new record this year, which is above 145. Sure, services may slow. They may not slow. What's not going to change is the cash flow generation. And it's really well, that no, it's simple. It's not a matter Whether of it may slow, Qualcomm. it may not slow. That's a little bit, you know, forgive me for saying it's a little glib. No, no, no. But it no, may slow, it may me, not slow. Finish, I mean, I, Katie Huberty was talking. Uh, and I what think, I said was. I think the numbers were like, you know, okay, only looking at maybe 11 percent growth versus if I'm remembering correctly Scott. from yesterday's conversation, like 17 or 18. That's not may or may not. Cash that flow. will. That cash is flow. will. Cash flow, share buybacks, you look at the cash generation from this company. And it's not just this year. It's going to go on into 2022 and 2023. The ecosystem continues to grow. It continues to grow because iPhones continue to sell. The ecosystem ever expands. They bring in more apps. They bring in more ways to generate service revenues. I am not worried about what the June quarter looks like, which is what I believe the Bank of America analyst is focused on today. This is a multi-year hold. It's going to continue to generate cash and buy back shares by the truckload. So when I say I'm pretty comfortable it's going to set a new high, it's not because I'm worried about the June quarter. It's because I see the cash flow that's being generated and I see them buying back shares like crazy. Steph, the only one of the mega fangs Mega cap tech that's up over the past week is Facebook, which is up three and a half percent. Everything else, and you own basically everything uh, at this point. Well, you don't own Facebook, um, but that's what the story no. is. I don't even include Netflix in this conversation anymore because they really—it's not part of what we're talking about. But what, what do you mm-hmm. advise people to do if they're holding on to these stocks or thinking about what Kramer said at the very top—that they're too cheap to ignore the opportunity to get into some of these names? Some of the things are cheap. I would say Alphabet to me is the cheapest given the growth expectations and the operating leverage that they they have. I mean, substantial operating leverage and 
and Alphabet also uh, underperformed last year relative to the rest of the FANG. So that's the one I'm kind of making my bet. I'm actually market weight. You know, I'm market weight Apple. I'm market weight Amazon. I don't own Facebook. I don't own any of the high flying technology companies. The only one I really do own that is a little bit of a high tech, uh, a high multiple name is Anaplan. It's a very small position. And that's I'm doing kind of a barbell. I want to have some growth. I want to have some great total addressable market stories. But I don't want to have a whole portfolio of them. But let's just step back here. I think that high multiple tech and high multiple anything is in trouble as long as this rotation into cyclicals, into reopen continues. Why are we actually seeing a rotation because of what we've been talking about for the last several quarters, that all the liquidity is leading to better growth? I mean, look at those GDP numbers at 6.4 percent, and it's probably going to double, right? And we're probably going to see 7, 8, 9 percent for the full year. That's huge personal income. I mean, 21.1%, not in my lifetime have I ever seen such a thing. And I know it's fiscal related, but it is what it is. The savings rate is 27% and there's huge pent up demand. So consumer is just fine. All the ISMs are actually above 50, which is expansion. And they have been for months on end. Prices paid are starting to increase a little bit. So you get you, you, you have better growth. You're going to get a little more inflation. Eventually, you're going to get higher interest rates. That is the recipe for owning more economically sensitive companies, more values-like stocks. And that's actually why well, I think you're seeing this rotation and out of tech, high multiple tech, and into these. That's why Joe has been rebalancing the Joe T, the ETF, out of some of the larger cap technology stocks and elsewhere into well, see, now you got another. We got another. Look at that suspicious look from Kramer. Well, now he wants tech, to know. Out of tech, out of tech. I love Cleveland Cliffs, all right? I, can, I, I like Goodyear Tire. That's out my boy. Tech. That's out my boy. Tech. Joe? I'm out of land research. It's only up 12 points. What let, a disappointment. Let, let, me, let me get Joe to state his case as to sort of you, you did this rebalance, and we mentioned it, I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You've got Kramer here. We did. So tell me about this rebalancing you did within your Joe T ETF, which we know from tweets and otherwise that our viewers, some of them at the very minimum, have followed into um, as a result of you talking about it and being involved with it. So why'd you do that? And then I want Kramer to tell us what he thinks about it. All right. So here here we go. The bases are loaded for me because uh, Stephanie, Jim and uh, Jim, have all done their job here with excellent comments. First of all, as it relates to the fangs, none of the fangs, none of the fangs, except, guess what? Netflix were removed from the index. Netflix went bye-bye. We still have Microsoft. We still have NVIDIA, so I could replace the N with NVIDIA. Salesforce went bye-bye. Didn't Salesforce go bye-bye? Hold on. Didn't Salesforce go bye-bye, if I'm remembering correctly? And it should. And it should. And it should. Salesforce should go bye-bye because on a, a, on a price performance basis, Salesforce has underperformed. But let me finish, okay, as it relates cl- to the fangs. Oh, never mind. You're to, right. Didn't mean to interrupt you to with Jimmy's, that inane idea that you had about sales. Jim- Sorry. Please. <laughs> with Jimmy, to Jimmy's comments, you've got Alphabet, $50 billion in buybacks. You've got Apple, $90 billion in buybacks. Okay, I'm fine there. I agree with Steph. Let's be market weight, but now let's understand what's going on. You have a cyclically oriented rotation that is gearing investors towards Cleveland Cliffs. How about Freeport McMoran? Love. I was late to buy it, but I'm so happy that I did. How about, can we talk about Bank of America? We added KKR. We added Charles Schwab. 
We added Blackstone. I see nothing wrong in the quality of adding financials, which we did, because we understand there's economic optimism. We understand that there's earnings growth. Now what's missing from that equation, Scott? Global COVID trends improving. And global COVID trends are going to improve. And when they improve, you're going to see further normalization in Treasury yields towards 1.9%. I don't care if the Federal Reserve doesn't think that there is inflation. Markets respond to the perception of inflation. And that's exactly what we're doing in 2021. Things are going to be fine, but it's also going to be about commodity oriented, economically sensitive, cyclically oriented businesses. They're going to outperform. That's where I want to be. Okay, I like that. I got you all wound up because that was fabulous. Now, Counselor Kramer. (laughs) You've heard the argument Mm -hmm. from the prosecutor here making his case on why he did what he did. What's your counter? I'd like a sidebar, Your Honor, because (laughs) I actually think that those moves were excellent. And I think we can settle this case. I don't think there's any need for to go to jury. I like everything he did, and I think it made a lot of sense. Okay. I'm not going to create, I'm not going to foment a fight when I think that this thing can be settled in the courthouse steps. So Tom Lee is sort of talking about the same kind of of thing that Joe's talking about. He says that the sell-off we saw yesterday, and I would think thinks we'll see more of it, is really a, quote, get me out of tech move as energy and his so-called epicenter stocks have taken this leadership role. My question to you, Kramer, is, is that leadership role going to continue with those stocks Or are enough people going to view big tech like you did at the top of the show and say some of these are just too good to pass up. So money's going to come out of the reopen story, which is well known and well told and go back into the things that have worked for as far as I can remember. Well, look, I I think that Fang is living and breathing. And what I've always disliked about the comments, uh, Tony Saganay, who's incredibly nice, uh, he often just looks at the past. He doesn't look at the future of what Apple's going to be like. Wamsey did that, too. I, and I was a little, little bummed out that Wamsey did not talk about the future and just is looking at the past. When I look at and let's put in NVIDIA in as, as an end. Do you know NVIDIA reinvents itself every single quarter? It's incredible. These companies, Fang, yep. NVIDIA, you know, the big, ca- big cap deck is NVIDIA is gigantic. They're not the same company when they report next time. Now, Cleveland Cliffs is the same company, but the raw costs are the lowest in the, in the world because they don't have, have iron ore. Uh, and I, I definitely like Freeport because there's 200 pounds of, of, uh, of copper in, a e, in an EV, in, a, in, in any sort of electrical vehicle. But I, and I like the banks because I, and I think I love Wells Fargo more than I like J.P. Morgan because Wells Fargo uh, is, was so bad uh, under, before it got to Charlie Sharp. So I like these, I guess, but I'm going to come back and say something that is a little different from what most people would say. There are many stocks, more than I can ever recall, that I like right now. Steph, when you and I go back and forth, invariably it's going to be so. I have train on tonight. Have you looked at train? TT? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that that was a blowout like you wouldn't say. I mean, come on. How can you not want to own train? The only reason, the only thing that is keeping you back from owning train is there are 70 trains that you want to own. Maybe 80 trains. Look at that stock. Has anyone even heard of the damn thing? Train. Union Pacific holds an analyst meeting, that horrible quarter. Analyst meeting. In the old days. Joe, in the old days. Union Pacific holds an analyst meeting, okay? Well, everybody sells, right? That was, mm-hmm. that was what you were supposed to do. Not anymore. Now they buy. 
I mean, how about the fact that Las Vegas Sands, uh, Caesars, went sold out? I mean, there's an Eagles game, Judge, in, Ve- in Vegas. Okay, we don't know the date. I, I had to have to take down every single weekend. I got to take a room in a bad hotel because <laughs> everything's sold out. Look, the, the, the schedule comes out in a couple of weeks, so you'll know soon late. enough. Caesars, Philadelphians booked every single weekend. Caesars is up huge today. I know you guys mentioned <laughs> it earlier, and I caught note of that when you did. Um, your charitable trust bought win last month. How can I not? Right? How can I not? Maddox came on. I mean, Maddox is, Maddox is the intellectual of the group. He's extraordinary. I happen to look, Steve Wynn, there were things that we can, you know, whatever the heck happened. Steve Wynn was a visionary, uh, and he's left it with a, a, a great hand. I just like Wynn so much. Now, I picked at Las Vegas Sands in the CNBC uh, stock. It was the one that was on for our, our the draft. draft. Yeah. I think LVS is just a monster, just waiting to happen. A living, breathing monster. Steph, you bought Wynn at 90 well, when, la- last, su- last summer. All right, smarter than me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> always was. <laughs> but when I, but I bought Win because seventy percent of their revenues are Macau, and I think Macau is going to actually recover before Las Vegas. Well, that's Las o- Vegas. LVS is, is starting all Macau, to so you got double down yeah. there, right? Well, I did double down there, but yeah. you know what? LVS is flat on the year. It hasn't done anything, and and Win at least is up twelve percent, yes. which is nothing yes. great. But it's you know it's it's just it, it was a relative call for me. But that is Macau. But yeah, no, I mean the Caesars numbers, the total occupancy on the weekends was eighty five percent, and they are sold out on the weekends. I mean that is just incredible. Talk about pricing power and operating leverage, and that's exactly why you want to own these reopened companies. This is a perfect example, and then that's also why you want to own industrials. Too. It's the same exact thing. You know, the demand is starting to improve. The margins have stayed firm. There's pricing power. Caterpillar didn't even put any price increase in their last quarter, and they blew it away. And they're going to start putting price in in the summertime. So that's definitely one I have been adding. We talked about it yesterday. But I own eight different industrials in my portfolio in a, in a stock portfolio that's eight. 44 names. Eight. Well, yeah, and yet Caterpillar, of course. Oh, right. what's, what's interesting, guys, is, is what Stephanie no longer has. What? Uh, in her portfolio. Now, I'm not, I'm <laughs> not sure if you show? caught I'm not sure if you caught yesterday's show or, or not, Jim, but I want you to watch this and we can talk about it on the other side of, of what Stephanie's done. <laughs> you sold Bristol Myers. Did you get clearance from Kramer to do that? The Bristol Myers move? <laughs> you know, I didn't even t- I didn't even tell uh, Jim that I, I, I forgot. You mean um, I, sp- no, I just I- spilled the beans? <laughs> oh, my God. He's going to be so mad. He'll 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 be emailing me. We're all- uh, I didn't. I didn't email because the quarter was awful. The quarter was yeah. awful for Bristol Myers. It really was. So her move was really bad. Thing. Other than Merck, it was the worst. There was no upside. I saw nothing good to it. I'm not even sure about the acquisition they made. I'm very disappointed in Bristol Myers. Eight but, out of the ten wow. uh, products in their pipeline. Eight out of the ten missed expectations. That's right. I mean. Didn't That's it feel arrogant-like under, the, under the, the, like the final oh. Saunders moments, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yes. It was. Oh, you're oh laughing. God. You know I'm yes. right. And gross margins only held up because R&D was less. Well, why do we want a, 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 pharma, a pharma company to spend less on R&D? We want them to spend on R&D, right? So I would have been okay if margins missed on the higher R&D. But they, they didn't. Um, and I just think that they're pulling back. And I 
doesn't make any sense. So United Healthcare is the growth name in healthcare for me in my portfolio. And then if I want yield and tr something trading at 10 times, which is what Bristol trades at, well, AT&T trades at 10 times and you get a 6.5% yield and he's starting to execute. So to me, I, I just kind of felt like this is probably dead money, I think, for a while. I agree. It's sad to say. But I, well, I, I, I never expected. I think it's got, it was like, I don't know, maybe it was an ACL. I mean, what did it get? Bristol was an ACL? <laughs> or was it an Achilles? <laughs> I think it Oof. might have been an Achilles. A couple seasons. I'm redshirting Bristol Myers. Uh, Damian Woody's going to be on. See if he wants to redshirt it next season. Well, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with him, too. Let, let's hit another stock, um, if, if we can, before we, before we have to take a break. Um, and that's GM, Farmer Jim. Because I've yeah. looked at the far, yeah. uh, right, off earnings, that stock is up quite nicely today. At least it was before we came on the air. I think it was about a 3.5% win or something, or something along, along those lines. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, I think let's make this simple. This is a referendum. The share price response is a referendum on Mary Barra and her management team. Uh, the reason I say that is because for the last several quarters, she's been saying the cost cuts that they did during the heart of the pandemic were permanent and that they were going to increase their margins. You saw that today. You know, sales came in a little light, actually, uh, but they blew away the earnings number. So clearly they've got some margin power here that's going to last. And, you know, combine that with the fact that April uh, uh, auto sales here in North America were well above 18 million. So you've got volume coming in. We know average transaction price is high and you've got good margins. You're putting this all together and it looks like the earnings picture for the next few years are going to be good for General Motors. Now there's one wart on this which is that they didn't raise guidance and that's you know you got to scratch your head when you beat earnings by a dollar and you don't raise the full year guidance. I think Mary Barra is sandbagging this. Um, I can't blame her because the chip shortage is still in play. We don't know when that's going to end. So she's playing it conservatively. The market says that's fine because whenever the chip shortage is over, as I said, high volumes, high prices, high margins, it's, it's going to be clear sailing when the chip shortage is over. Okay, let me ask you this mm. just for, for housekeeping and just so I have a reference in my head for my next question to, to Kramer. When, how long have you owned GM? Uh, actually a while now. I think it's three years. Okay, so you got into it. W remember the level you basically got into it at? Uh, low 30s. Okay, so you've done, you've done incredibly well in, in, in GM and recommending it on this program. Kramer, why do you like Ford over GM, presuming you must if you own Ford and not it, GM? And I know how much you like Farley because you talk about him all the time. Right, now Farley is giving you the word that the Japanese plant that caused so much destruction it's, about, it's going to be about 50% online. It's going to be 100% online uh, by July. And that is going to ease a lot of what has, has really, really hurt Ford over GM. But uh, it, is a, it, is, it, it is really, really difficult to take uh, Farley over Barr. Barr is extraordinary. Her letter was so fantastic. I don't know who else read her letter. But she is talking about a battery yeah. company that I think is worth half of this company. And when I speak to her, I'm always blown away by how good she is. I even sold, here's one for the book, Judge. I sold half my Ethereum in order to buy, get the down payment for a Hummer for my wife. Well, why, didn't you, why don't you own GM? You just made a great case. You can't case. Own both Ford and GM. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
What am I going to do? Let me add to this. Let me, ju- let me add one thing. The thing about the battery technology is they're gonna, their chassis and their drivetrain and everything around the battery is going to be exportable to other auto manufacturers. That's where they've Honda. got the lead. That's what makes them different is it's not just for them. Um, they've got Honda as a partner. They've got Microsoft. They've got Walmart as partner. They're yep. building vans for Walmart. Uh, I don't know, Jim, you know what you're doing, but I, I, I got to give you the strong recommendation to, to sell Ford and get to GM. I can't do that to Farley. I just can't do that. I'm, okay. I'm not a turncoat. I'm but not going to go against Farley. He had a bad chip call. Well, he sold out of everything. There are F-150s in, where, in, in auction lots right now that are, that are going for more than the retail price because of how much people want the F-150. I yeah. think the F-150 is a marvel. It's American. It's fabulous. And I'm proud. I am not dumping on Farley. I'm not throwing him over. Farley stays in the picture. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick Add break. Mary. Let's, let's take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, Hertz shares. Have you seen them lately? The battle over the bankrupt company. It's new at noon when halftime returns in just two minutes. There it is, up 19%. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. New CDC research supports what many are expecting, a big drop in COVID casualties this summer as vaccination levels continue to rise. The study, however, also warns that hospitalizations and deaths could jump. That's if unvaccinated people don't wear a mask or maintain social distancing. Six separate groups made projections, and the most optimistic of them forecast less than 50,000 new infections per week by the end of July. The number two Republican in the House is calling for the removal of Liz Cheney as the party's third highest ranking leader in the chamber. Steve Scalise's comments are the first explicit call from GOP leadership for Cheney's removal. An Israeli opposition leader has been tapped to form a new government. And if he's successful, it could lead to the end of Benjamin Netanyahu's run as Israel's longest serving prime minister. And 7-Eleven store operators reportedly want to close at night because of worker shortages. Historically, franchisees were required to stay open 24 hours a day, but that rule was then suspended during the pandemic. It's an interesting development. Scott, I'll send it back to you. All right. We appreciate that, Rahel. Thank you, Rahel Solomon. Hey, take a look at shares of Hertz. They're up more than, well, they were up more than 20 percent a little bit earlier. Now they are once again, and they're up more than 100 percent in the past few weeks as that company looks to be nearing its exit from bankruptcy, a process that has locked some big-name private equity firms in a battle over the company's future. On one side, Knighthead Capital and Sertari's Capital Management, whose bid is backed by Apollo, versus Centerbridge Partners, who's teamed with Warburg Pincus and Dundon Capital, each side already submitting their bids. And last night, the Hertz board deemed Knighthead superior, its bid valuing Hertz at more than $6 billion. 
New at noon, I'm told most shareholders, and there are some big names there, too, as part of a 10-member ad hoc group, Glenview Capital, run by Larry Robbins, being the largest with more than 4.5 million shares, favor the Knighthead bid as well. Oak Tree, co-founded by Howard Marks, would backstop a portion of the new equity financing. Bondholders want the Centerbridge one, well, because they would walk away with most of the equity. Centerbridge has until Friday to alert the board of its plan to submit a new bid. And assuming that happens, Hertz plans to hold an auction on May 10th, which is next Monday. No matter what happens, a bankruptcy judge has to approve whoever emerges as the winner. And it all comes as Hertz tries to get back in action to take advantage of what? Well, the economy reopening. We look at Avis. It's currently valued at $6 billion. It has a lot of debt, though. Hertz would emerge debt-free, making for a pretty interesting battle between the two for post-pandemic travelers and investors. And if you recall, Carl Icahn was once a big player in Hertz. He exited about a year ago. So the stock, Jim, is up today on the, the Knighthead bid, which is deemed to be better by the board. I'm just... the. The battle is less interesting to me than what would it mean for potential investors in the stock moving forward in a post-pandemic world with Hertz back as a player. Well, I think the biggest problem that Hertz is going to have uh, is fleet cars. None uh, None of the car companies are ready to sell them cars. They don't have any. And I think that one of the things that is making the gross margins so great for the auto companies is they're not selling to Hertz. So I don't know. Maybe Hertz can go to auto auctions. Those are pretty sold out, too. I don't know where they're going to get the cars. And that's my worry. Steph, you know that there are not cars to be had. So if you were to become uh, you run to run Hertz, your single most difficult problem is to get enough cars to handle the demand. And not th- not to mention the fact that it's just going to be a very competitive environment, you know, with Always. Avis, right? I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I, ca- I can't see that this is going to end pretty at all, at all. But it's it's certainly an interesting story. It's a very interesting development. Yeah, a lot of smart people involved. No, no nobody would be be yeah. interested because look, I you know, I've been talking with some potential investors today who think that this stock has a very bright future ahead if Knighthead ends up. As, as the winner in the, the auction process, which looks likely to, to happen, that a th- less than $4 stock has a much brighter future than that. I don't, I don't have any takers. Farmer Jim, Joe T.? Nope. Listen, I just got to say, I haven't done the analysis on it, but usually when you're talking about bankruptcy, you're talking about bondholders getting less than 100 cents on the dollar. So I'm not used to this process being one where there's residual value to the equity holders. Now, again, I haven't I haven't analyzed what the offers are, but that's just what history tells me. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what all happens. Just wanted to bring you the latest there. All right. That's great. But no one's talking about it. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, well, because we noticed the stock. Right. The stock was surging. The stock is up, Jim. And wasn't this like this was a meme stock before meme stocks were meme meme stocks? I was just looking at at, uh, Reddit, Wall Street bets. But I I think it's largely they they seem to focus a lot on GameStop. Yeah. This was the pre GameStop GameStop, (laughs) I think. Yeah. If if we recall that there was a period of time where we were looking at this, say, what's what's going on with this thing being bet up? And obviously it's being bet up again because it's up better than 100 percent in the last few weeks alone. So we just wanted to call your attention to it. It's a name everybody the game. knows. It's, it's kind of like I, if we have a pro football player on, I think they would say, you know, it, it's part of a, you know, it's like the Lions winning the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. 
Do we have anyone who played pro <laughs> ball? Wouldn't it be great to get his view? In fact, we have Damian Woody. He's back with us. We'll follow up with him next. He's a two-time Super Bowl champ, avid investor as well. We'll talk about the draft, too. We'll do it in two. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Count our next guest is a big fan of Kathy Wood's art funds, two-time Super Bowl champ Damian Woody. He is back with us to talk some stocks, NFL free agency, officially back with us today. It, you're a multitasker, I guess, because you're co-hosting a show at the top of the hour, but you still spent some time with us. Welcome back. I appreciate it, man. Always good to talk to you guys. Wanted to have you back because we have Kramer on with us today. And I'm just wondering, you know, these ARC stocks, the Kathy Wood stocks, as we talk about, it seems like every day, uh, have been in a bit of a, a whirl, to say the least. How are you thinking about what your play portfolio looks like? Yeah, listen, I think uh, technology overall, you know, the tech you know, sector's been getting hit a little bit. It's been taking a pounding. And so for me, you know, I'm always looking to reallocate and, and reposition myself in, in the different, different areas. I'm just, uh, you know, d- different sectors for me. I'm in the, you know, travel, the travel sector. Um, but I listen, I think one thing for me, man, is, I look at commodities, particular lumber. I'm heavily invested in, in real estate. Uh, that's a huge part of my portfolio. And man, the, the price of lumber is, I think it's up like 350% since last year. And uh, that, that, that's a killer for a lot of people that's in the housing market right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Kramer? The, the floor is yours and Woody's. Well, first of all, I went to Lowe's last week just to see what lumber looked like. I mean, at $1,500, I had to see. I mean, I, it was like being at Tiffany. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It's like lumber is valued the way that silver is valued. I think it's crazy. Damien's absolutely right. But I will tell Damien. I want to ask you, Damien, what I did here. I sold half my Bitcoin and bought a farm with 130 acres. Yes or no? I did it. I, listen, Jim, I'm with you, Jim. I'm yes. with you. I, I'm Listen, I, I'm still I'm still not on the Bitcoin train yet. I know that there's a lot of people out there pushing Bitcoin, but I'm more of I want to feel and touch my investments like land. I'm big into that. So it's going to take a little bit of time for me to. 
fully jump into the whole Bitcoin rage. I am so with you. But you've got, Jim, he's got GM and Ford, which we were just having a conversation um, about. Do, do you want to tell, Woody, why you like, I mean, one versus the other? You made the point you can't own both. Well, he owns both. Well, look, I, I own Ford because I think that they're sold through and they, they have so many good cars. Uh, and that Jim Farley is the first guy who had the guts to go to the Ford family and say, we're done making cars everywhere. We're only going to make cars where we can make money. Ford's policy had been to make cars everywhere, be a worldwide company. No, he just wants to make the best cars. And, Damon, I got to tell you, <coughs> I think he does. Uh, I think the Ford Super Duty is maybe the best. And I look, I like the 150. But the Ford Super Duty is maybe the best thing that we make on wheels in this country. I, I I totally agree with you, Jim. Listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think when you look at Ford, that's exactly what's going on. You see them over. You see them over in China. They're expanding over there. That huge that huge market in China. So I'm a big fan of my Ford my Ford portfolio right now. Damian, what what about Chevron? Do you like? Because you know Jim's Jim has a, a, a interesting view. I think on on big oil that. I want him to talk to you about, but what is it that, that you like about Chevron specifically as part of your portfolio? Well, listen, I, I think I think as it relates to Chevron and, and all these other companies, I think these I think these companies are starting to kind of look towards the future. They're not just invested in what's tried and true for them for you know for you know decades. These these guys are smart. They've been in this position for a long time, they've been very successful. They know which way the winds are blowing. So I, I you know, I like how they're trying to position themselves for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So Kramer, right? Big oil, you, you, your view has been who, you know, what younger people are buying these stocks. Well, you know, Damien's still a young man and he sees a change in the way that these companies see their, their future, whether it's cleaner energy or what have you. Mike Worth has won me over from Chevron. Uh, he's worked on me and worked on me. And he's won me over. I think he's an incredibly thoughtful man who really understands the, the need for change. Darren Woods, the incredible at Exxon, cut down uh, methane, really understands the need, put people on the board who challenge him. I think Damien's right. These companies turned out to be far more open-minded to what they had to do. I know I blasted them all, but boy, I have to tell you, a lot of them become very, Damien, they've become very forward-thinking. These guys are yep. not like the old people who ran these companies. You have a football question for Woody, Jim, before we let yeah, him go get ready you know, for his I, show? I was always a big Eric Dickerson fan. How about Landon Dickerson, our second draft? Two ACL injuries, but he acts like he's ready to play. How great is he, and can he impose his will on the NFL? Well, listen, Jim, I love him. He's one of, he's one of in my opinion, one of the best, best picks in the draft. He's what we call a war daddy on, on the, when, with the big boys. He's a going to war daddy? There and, a war daddy. That's, that's football vernacular. That's football vernacular for a guy that's going to get after it up front. That's exactly what the the Philadelphia Eagles need. He's a big, he's a big son of a gun in the middle of that Eagles offensive line. I like, I love that pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. That's that's all we need is is more reason for Jim to to talk about the Eagles. <laughs> no, no, I'm going right to Howie. I'm going right to Howie. Tell him we got a war daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Damian, appreciate you being back with us. Go do your thing. You have a show in uh, about 15 minutes or so. You are we'll the talk best, to you soon, man. I love uh, I appreciate you. Appreciate it, Jim. We're we're, we're going to talk about this some more, Jim. I promise you. You are the best. I told Judge, I said, could you put him on when I'm on? I just think the guy's electric. And you were, you mean, you are a 
You are a war daddy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you again soon for sure. Damien, thanks. Up next, we're going to get you ready for Uber after the bell. We'll do that in two minutes. All right, welcome back. Uber is set to report earnings after the bell today. Joey T, you own it. We're down into the number. What now? I'm worried. What? It's trading awful since February. I'm worried. It's been trading awful since February. Listen, we know it's a reopening story. We heard from Lyft, reopening story. We know bookings have doubled. We're waiting for mobility to come back. But can I get a positive response in price? Mm. Price action's awful. It is. I'm holding it, but I'm worried. Jim, what do you, what do you tell well, them? I mean, look, I, is it, don't I, we know most of the story no, at this point? We love the Drizzly right. thing and all this other stuff, but look, what don't we know? I like to read uh, conference calls in a vacuum. I don't like to look at the stock. So I read the Lyft conference call. I said, you know, this is a pretty damn good story. Uh, they're crushing. They're crushing. And I think Lyft may be superior to Uber right here. So, Joe, I don't want to say go be worried because I think there's some good long-term value here. But, yeah, I mean, the price action and the action in Lyft tells you this is going to be a little tougher. I mean, the stocks, Joe, obviously have had a great rebound. And Josh Brown um, has made some good money in Uber and, st- and standing with it throughout the, the pandemic. But I go back to you and I, s- I say, what doesn't the market know? You're 100 percent correct. And, it's, and it really comes down to when you were into this stock. Remember, I got into this stock late. I wasn't early like Josh was. So, you know, I'm staring now potentially at a stock where I'm actually going to have uh, a, a loss on it. I need a response. I need a I response know, from I earnings mean, that's going to be positive. Give me something. The more reopening. I mean, you know, we're talking about Broadway tickets going on sale soon, full capacity at stadiums. I'm seeing the headlines. You're telling me people aren't going to take Uber and Lyft and, and, and do that stuff again once they're vaccinated? But. Things you never thought you would but do again, but that's you suddenly get where to, ready to do it, again. Right, but that's why it rallied in November because we introduced three vaccines and we knew that was going to occur. And then, in addition to that, you had delivery, and we were amazed at the growth of delivery. But well, I'm waiting right. for the next catalyst. I'm long. I believe in the company. I'm long. I love management. I believe in the company. Yeah. But give me something in terms of price performance. I hear you. I should All have right. gotten it this morning off of Lyft. All right. Yeah, we're down 3%. And, and don't worry about, I think worrying about delivery is right. People want to go to the restaurant more than ever. Yeah. They do not want yeah. to stay at home and play uh, Activision, even though that was good, Call of Duty. Uh, but, no, they want to be at the restaurant. And, and, yes, you can order from Drizzly, and that's great, but... There's nothing like being at a bar. That's true. Nothing. That's true. Belly up. Can't wait. Cannot wait. All right. Up next, Jim Cramer in the committee, ready to answer your questions and ask halftime. It's next. We'll be right back. All right, let's answer some of your questions now. First up, a video one for you, Jim. Let's listen. Hey, my name is Sam. I have uh, 25 years to dedicate to the market. I'm wondering, should I buy AbbVie and hold it till the day I die? <laughs> AbbVie. Thank you. 
All right, Jimmy, you're a buy and hold guy. That's, I think he's <laughs> that gonna, may be extreme, but he's going to live to 100, and he's going to need a lot of Botox when he gets close to it. And that's what was really going on. It's the Botox numbers. They are up huge over not 20 last year, 2020. Who cares? They're up huge over 2019, which tells me that Allergan was radically under uh, undermanaged, and Botox saved the quarter. Can you believe people are more concerned about wrinkle-free skin than they are about oncology? The answer is yes. Sam's got to stay long. I love the call and the yield. All right. Good stuff, Jim. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much for the question as well. All right, Farmer Jim, video question for you. Hello, Halftime Report. This is Carl Winter from Sandy, Utah. Plug Power and Cummins seem to be intersecting at the hydrogen fuel cell space. Which is the better stock, and would you consider either to be a long-term core holding? Thanks. All right, Mr. Tractor Supply, what do you think about this one? Yeah. Hi, Carl. I'm not going to pull any punches here. I'm no fan of plug power. Stock's been around for 20 years and it's presided over 20 years of shareholder wealth destruction. Yeah, maybe maybe they catch a bid here, but look, they're down from 70 to 25. They shouldn't have been at 70 in the first place. Cummins is a real company. You know, uh, this is a company. Can it be a long term holding? Maybe for the next two years as infrastructure continues to build and trucks continue to get built and they're working on new technology. That's the solid play in my book. Okay, good stuff. The Linkster to you, the brilliant, I should say, Stephanie Link from yesterday. A video (laughs) question for you. Hi, my name is Shant and I'm a pharmacist in Southern California. I want to know what you guys think of Chewy. Steph? Well, I like the company very much. I also like the fact that the stock is actually down 12% year to date. It's getting a little bit more interesting, but I mean, it's just the valuation is hard to get my hands around. I've owned it in the past. If it pulls back further, I will actually get back in at some point. Great long-term story. All right. Good stuff. Thank you. Final trades are next. All right, Jimmy, what's tonight on Mad? Okay, we've got PagerDuty, we've got Train, yes, TT, and then Bed Bath Beyond, controversial stock that shouldn't be. I like these. I like all three. All right, good stuff. Good luck with that one. We can't wait to see that. All right, uh, before, we do far, uh, before we do final trades, Farmer Jim, I have another question for you uh, on Twitter. Labenthal killing me with Qualcomm, fellow military officer, <laughs> help. Woo. What do you tell him, Jim? <laughs> Okay, hang, hang in there, brother. <laughs> hang in there, shipmate. Um, listen, Qualcomm, I'm disappointed in the share price response, so I get where you're coming from. But this is the whole chip sector for the last week, the last month has been selling off. I think that is just consolidation. I know I use that word a lot, but I think you're going to be much higher from here to the end of the year. So shipmate, stay with me, please. All right, good stuff. Give me a quick final trade while you're at it, Jim, please. Marathon Petroleum still has that catalyst coming up of the Speedway sale All right. closing. Steph? Corteva down 5% today, but they beat estimates. They just didn't raise them. I'm taking advantage. I love the ag theme for this year. Okay. Joey T? I agree with Damian Woody. It's all about commodities. The agriculture play is bungy. Ticker symbol BG. All right. Interesting. All right. And the man himself, Jim Kramer. Pfizer, base business going to be 250, 255, say, get 14 multiple. All right, so then you got the whole problem of how do you value this uh, incredible stream of COVID. Right now, it's being valued at four times $1.05. I think that, that stream is going to be with us sometime. Give it eight. I think the stock is four points easy. All right, right on the money. Thank you for being here. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. 
The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.